1: You move into a new apartment. Everything seems just fine until you open up the cabinets to find a loaf of bread with coins scattered around it. You take the bread. You throw it out. That looks gross. You pocket the coins and buy yourself a soda. And that's when the troubles begin. The cabinets start clanking. The dishwasher opens and closes on its own. But the dishes never get done. What did you do? Did you not follow traditional Eastern European ghost appeasing tactics? Well, (laughs) how could you? (laughs) Hey, Hainted Loves, let's talk about about some traditional ghost-appeasing tactics from Eastern Europe. Nice. <laughs> I'm
0: assuming this is harkening back to our recent episode, where our guest Alyssa Rabinovich used various tactics that her Eastern European family taught her about how to appease the ghosts in her home.
1: Yes, and we're going to talk a little bit about that because having married into a Soviet refugee family myself, I've experienced a lot of these things firsthand. And maybe I should have been a little bit more cognizant of them. Maybe I would not be haunted as much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say, did they work? But I guess you don't know because you didn't actually leave the bread in the cabinet.
1: Well, I was told that, you know, eventually you got to throw away the bread because it Mm. will rot. But it is actually a very, very, very old, old Russian tradition. And a lot of these traditions extend outside the borders of Russia to other former Soviet countries as well and other parts of Eastern Europe. And that is to greet visitors in your home with a loaf of bread and a little cup of salt sitting on top of the bread. Oh, And you see this tradition everywhere. Do you have to give them the bread and the salt? Or do you just greet them with it in your hands and then be like, okay, this is my bread. Look at it. No, it's like a dignitary visits the country. A woman in traditional garb will come out with a plate with this beautiful, like elaborate loaf of bread with a little cup of salt sitting on top. Then as a way to show your gratitude, you take a piece of that bread, you break off a piece of the bread and you dip it into the salt. And then you eat it.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say you throw it over your left shoulder.
1: No, no. no. Actually, that's a huge insult. (gasps) Wait a minute. To mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To spill salt on the floor of your host's home is very insulting. And this dates back way, way a long time ago when salt was very expensive. And then there was a tax on salt, which made it even harder to get. It was like one of those things that you saved for special occasions. And so it's a way of showing visitors how much you value, how much you embrace their visit as the host. You're saying, thanks for coming. Here is an offering of bread and salt to show you how much I appreciate you coming. Cool. It is kind of like, you know, we have all sorts of traditions. Even in the US, you know, if a guest comes to your house, what's the first thing you do? Feed them. Yes. (laughs) Or at the very least, you offer them something to drink, right? Exactly. You always offer them something to drink. It's the same kind of thing. It's just good manners. And this is very, very, very old. I mean, this tradition of bread and salt. And the Eastern European culture that I've become associated with is very focused on making sure that people feel at home when they come over. Mm. The role of the host is very akin to Southern hospitality, I should say. Like, you always want to make your guests feel welcome. You would never open the door and say, sorry, you can't come in right now. Right. With my family, there's also a big focus on keeping up appearances. Mm -hmm. You don't want people to talk badly about you. And I think this stems from a point in time where people lived in small villages or small towns or something, and you really had to rely on your community Mm -hmm. for your health and well-being. And... See, it was very important to make sure that you didn't piss anybody off and you kept up the appearances of being a good hostess or being a good host. So the bread and salt is part of that. And also, when you move into a home, a new home, or new to you home, (laughs) as our guest Alyssa told us, it's common to leave an offering of bread and salt for the house spirits. It's like an offering. Here you go. Let's be friends. You were here first, I guess, but I'm now the host. So I'm offering you this as my guest. I guess in a way it also sort of establishes that host-guest relationship. Uh, this and, is my
0: home, but you're mm, allowed to stay. I yeah, imagine so, yeah. yes.
1: It will appease the spirits so that they won't bug you at night. And Alyssa also mentioned leaving out a deck of playing cards and talking to them and saying, all right, here's the boundaries, my home. You can... Eat the bread, dip it in the salt, play with the cards. Don't bug me. <laughs> my husband and I, when we moved into our first condo together, first thing my mother-in-law did is she showed up with a loaf of bread and she sprinkled some salt on top of it and she put it in the windowsill and she said, don't throw it away until it rots. Another thing that she did, she does still, is she would put money around the house and all of these things she just told me it was for a good luck. She said, "The bread is for health, the money is for wealth." And I don't know if she consciously was doing it because of like an offering to someone or something, or if it was just so it could be that she just saw her family doing it and just did it for luck, and it had no actual metaphysical meaning behind it but i would open a cabinet door and there'd be a dollar bill that would fall in my head i'd find a dollar bill stuffed into the corner next to the silverware i would find them in the couch cushions <laughs> she just <laughs> went in and put them everywhere it was great i mean we had a wonderful three years when we lived in that condo so maybe it worked uh, uh,
0: yeah there's a Kind of the law of attraction followers will say that if you leave money just kind of laying around, it will train your brain to think, oh, I have plenty of abundance, money's in no shortage. Look, I just walk into the room and there's 20s lying all over everything.
1: Well, they they weren't 20s. They were singles. So I think all told there was maybe six or seven dollars spread
0: throughout the well, house. that just makes you feel but- like your house is being haunted by a stripper
1: or a drag queen. <laughs> right? Like, What are all these ones stuffed everywhere? She told me very clearly, she's like, do not spend it. Leave it here. Do not spend it. So when
0: you move out, then you can hoard it up or do you leave it?
1: I'm not entirely sure I remember. I I would almost say it was, well, see, with a mezuzah. A mezuzah is a container that holds a prayer inside of it. And it protects your home. It blesses your home. And ideally, you put one on the doorway of every room that somebody would be sleeping in. So all the bedrooms and, of course, like all the entrances to the home. It's a Jewish tradition. And it harkens back to Passover when the angel of death was coming through and killing the firstborn. And the mezuzah symbolizes that act of letting God know this is a Jewish household. Protect it. The mezuzah itself, there's some beautiful ones. If you can't get one on every door in your house, at least have one on the very front door. There's a little piece of paper inside that has been blessed by a rabbi that has a prayer on it in Hebrew. You put it on your doorframe. When you move into a new home, it's angled. So the top of it points towards the door. And when you move out of the house, if the new person moving into the house is Jewish, you leave it. You leave the protection for the newcomers coming in. So my husband's house, he was living in with his parents when I met him. Had the mezuzahs from the previous owners oh, wow. already up there because the previous owners had been Jewish. So well, they already had the mezuzahs in place.
0: That's easy if you're doing like a real estate deal and selling a house. But what about an mm-hmm. apartment? You don't know who's moving in next. And your landlord's just right. going to well, be you- like, charge $5 for a mezuzah removal. And they're going to throw it away yeah, regardless I'm- of whether you try and leave it or not.
1: <laughs> oh, somebody painted over our mezuzah. Oh, jeez. That condo. I was so ticked. So I I guess getting back to the idea of the money in the cabinets, following that tradition, I suppose you could leave them. Okay. You could leave the money as a way, as like a welcoming gift for the new owners, right? Or would it
0: be a curse for the new owners because the new owners would be like, cool, money, and pick it up. And then the ghost
1: would be like, what the fuck? That was my... He just walked in and stole my money. (laughs) Then they got to go consult with the religious leaders or the shaman or whatever and figure out what's going on and fix it themselves if they were idiots (laughs) enough to (laughs) remove the money. (laughs) I don't know. But those are some of the traditions that I experienced with my mother-in-law. And then also another thing that she likes to do, this is also very Eastern European, Turkish, Middle Eastern, all the things, is to leave protections against the evil eye all over the house. And it's not just protections that she would leave up. The very common one, which you all have seen, I'm sure, is the Hamza. It looks like a hand where the pinky and the thumb are the same length. So it's kind of a very symmetrical hand. Sometimes you'll see it with an eye in the palm, or it might have an eye hanging off of the bottom of it. It's silver. It's very elaborate. And it's protection against the evil eye. You'll see people wearing them as charms or around their neck. And they just keep appearing around our house. We even have one that has crystals in it, which is interesting. Hmm.
0: People who don't understand the culture being like, oh, look, new agey shit. Let's mush it all no, 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 no.
1: No, it was purchased from a street vendor in Jerusalem. It was not like new who agey shit. Bought it, was it in like- bulk from China. <laughs> <laughs> My Shalom Y'all tile that I have that I purchased at a temple in Savannah. It says, Shalom, y'all. I saw a street vendor in Jerusalem selling the exact same thing. And I was like, wait, really? Why? (laughs) That doesn't make sense. (laughs) This is exactly how I feel. My, My family
0: is in Iceland right now, trying to ask what I want them to bring me back from Iceland. I'm like, well, literally... Everything you can buy at a tourist shop in Iceland is made in China, so it's really just promoting global warming. So please don't bring me anything. Exactly. <laughs> We're talking exactly. about somebody in Iceland who designed it, sent it to China. China sent it back to Iceland. My family flew from the US and then brought it back for me. What?
1: I just want stories and photos. Exactly. That's all I ever want. Yes. And one of those yeah. tiny horses. Do you hear that, Dr. Doty? Diana wants a tiny horse. <laughs> just a little <laughs> just a little one. It's a little yeah. horse. One that will fit in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So the Hansa is another thing. And they're all over the house. They appear. They disappear. I put them away. I don't have anywhere to hang them. They do look kind of cheap and tacky. And then they appear again. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we've got some protection. The evil eye is often cast. It's funny. My husband jokes around. He's like, this is the only curse you can accidentally give somebody. Oh. So... <laughs> The evil eye is often accidentally cast, and it can be cast by anybody who is jealous of you. Mm. So it's very important to not cause envy, not to flaunt your wealth, not to flaunt your beauty, to look humble, because otherwise someone with the evil eye may grow jealous and accidentally cast the evil eye at you, and then you'll be cursed. What
0: does the curse manifest as? People stealing your shit? Bad luck. Breaking into your car?
1: Bad, bad luck. All those things, your beauty goes away. Your wealth goes away. Your youth goes away. Your loved ones go away. All those things that they're envious for, you lose. Oh, okay. Okay. So
0: the moral of the story is don't flaunt it if you got it because someone might take it away from you, either on purpose or by accident.
1: But the person casting the evil eye doesn't necessarily get it. Yeah, that seems like a
0: waste. Like, if I can't have it, nobody can. (laughs) Rude. I know,
1: I know. (laughs) And as a way to enact this, my mother-in-law, when my daughter was born, walked around with her and just insulted her over and over again as a way to protect her against the evil eye, to create a shield around her so that no one would cast the evil eye upon her. And I didn't know what she was saying. It was all in Russian until my- Husband came around the corner was like, Mom, stop telling her she's ugly and dumb. <laughs> oh, she's a baby.
0: She doesn't mind.
1: There's some other superstitions that she always made sure that that we followed along with. Like, for instance, never have your bed, face the doorway. That was another thing that she was really big on.
0: Hmm. Yeah, what happens?
1: Bad luck, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you say face the doorway, you mean like when you're laying in bed and you so- roll on your side, you see the door or your feet are pointing no, towards no. the door?
1: No, no. Your feet are pointed toward the door.
0: Oh, does it have to be directly at the door or just in the general direction of the door?
1: Directly in front of the door. You don't open the door to see the bed. So now we know. Don't don't point your feet
0: towards the door. I think it's because ghosts might grab your feet. I mean, ghosts grab your feet Mm -hmm. anyway, even when your feet aren't pointing towards the door. So imagine if they were, because we all know ghosts can walk through walls, but they prefer not to. That's why you put it right in front of your uh, front door so that the ghosts get stuck.
1: So aside from my own, just what I've experienced with my family, there are some other traditions that are very interesting from Eastern Europe in general, especially more poverty stricken areas that I think are interesting and they are very similar to some of the things that we have in Western European and Western American culture as well. For instance, the crossroads. The crossroads are a liminal space, a space where you might encounter something otherworldly. If something bad is happening to you, it's not your own fault. Somebody has put a curse on you. Anything bad? Your livestock's dying, you're getting sick, you've befallen some misfortune financially. Yeah. If you suspect that you've been bewitched You've probably been bewitched. (laughs) Convenient. (laughs) And the way to fix this is, first of all, you go to a healer, a wise woman, a fortune teller, somebody with the knowledge, with the knowledge, and say, hey, I think I'm being bewitched. And of course, they're going to want to get paid, right? Mm -hmm. Because you probably traveled a long distance to see them. And so they'll say, yes, you've been bewitched. And they prescribe for you. Certain steps you can take to get better, okay. to make your livestock thrive, all of that. Now, there's very exact things that you might have to do. But a lot of them have to do with hygiene. Because that fortune teller, she's smart, right? She wants to she wants to have a reputation good. And she knows that if you probably clean out your pigsty with lye and your home then a lot of that illness is going to go away.
0: (laughs) Magic of tidying up. Yep.
1: (laughs) And things are going to start thriving again. A clean house. A clean house is definitely a way to (laughs) unwitch yourself. And a lot of times there's also the idea that somebody has buried something on your property somewhere that is causing this to befall you. So what do you do? You dig it up. How do you know where it is? You look and look and look. The I don't know. People were poor. I guess their farms weren't that big. Spiritual metal detector. Oh, dowsing. You could dows. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. But when you find it, because there's always going to be something buried, right? I mean, it's land, right? You got to find a bone somewhere. It's horseshoe or a box yeah. or mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's usually like a bone or a piece of bread or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Obviously, this bone was buried by a human with ideas.
1: So when you find it, you have started to break the curse. Oh, no, just started? Well, here's the thing. What's going to happen is the person who bewitched you is going to realize it. And they're going to come running to you to try and reestablish that connection. So as soon as you dig this object up, the first person that you encounter, you have to make sure you don't say a word to them. Completely ignore them, which is actually kind of a big deal when you think about it in a culture where being a good host and putting on appearances is important completely ignore them until they finally go away. Hmm. And by doing that, you are keeping that curse from being reignited, that connection from being strengthened, and you will be free. And suddenly everything will get better. Wow. And we're talking about
0: way out in the farm country of Eastern Europe. You Mm -hmm. might be like days before the first person comes onto your land.
1: Yeah, I guess it just depends on your community and that kind of thing. So just some things to try if you you think you're being witched or haunted or... Well, cursed. I was talking to my husband about this before I got on here. I told him about Alyssa's story and keeping the, the ghosts occupied and how the ghosts would lock her out of her bathroom in their like old house in, in Russia. And he said, oh, that sounds so Russian. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, Russians are such pranksters. Like anybody to, to play the first joke. He's like, it's always a Russian. I was like, I never thought thought of that <laughs> and he's like okay well i only know like americanized russians but he's like it just seems that that russians are always the ones that are like pulling the pranks doing the jokes and i've heard some stories from my father-in-law of pranks that his buddies used to pull on him and stuff you know what? the one he talks about the most is while he was sound asleep they pulled him out into the snow in siberia in his sleeping bag and just left him there overnight so he woke up and he didn't realize it until he woke up and he was out in the snow. Ooh. Like,
0: ha ha, that's so funny. Ha ha. <laughs> you didn't die. So it was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. There's a cultural thing, too. I mean, even in the American Midwest, northern Midwest, that's very, very, very horrible winters. You see people giving each other the piss all the time as a form of love and expression Mm -hmm. and you go to the south where it's nice and warm and sunny and we have sunshine we don't have horrible winters and we're all like oh no be nice to me i think it has to do with how how terrifying it gets in those dark winter months don't you
1: yeah you got to find a way to keep yourself occupied right well
0: and also you just got to thicken up your friends and family that's like Mm -hmm. your obligation is like toughen up that skin drag them out Mm -hmm. into the cold let them sleep outside it's hilarious It's not so hilarious in Georgia, (laughs) but it's
1: hilarious in like Wisconsin. Yeah. You know? Right. So, anyway, that's a handful of traditions. So, next time you have a ghost or a spirit or some bad luck in your house and you hear the ghost speaking in Russian or Czech or Hungarian, no, (laughs) Bulgarsky or Romanian, (laughs) maybe consider trying some of these tactics.
0: Give them a pretzel and tell them they're ugly, basically. (laughs)
1: Well, no. You- I'm just trying to truncate yeah, here. Just yeah. okay. That's a, that's an interesting truncation. <laughs> don't do what Diana said. Give him a loaf of bread and a bowl of salt and some playing cards.
0: Fair. All right. I'll try that so that I don't have a spooky day.
1: Homespun Haints is hosted by Becky Kilimnick and Diana Doty and produced by Homespun Haints Media LLC. Editing and music by Becky Kilimnick. Show notes by Diana Doty. If you have a ghost story and you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, please visit our website at homespunhaints.com submit. A nature trail is more than a path. It's a place for laughter, self-reflection, and a breath of fresh air. AllTrails Plus helps you plan your next hike so you can relax and enjoy the journey. Discover new trails near you with the distance away feature and get immersive trail previews and offline maps so you can take those exciting first steps with confidence. Get outside today with three free months of AllTrails Plus. Just use code PODCAST23 at alltrails.com slash podcast. That's three months free at alltrails.com slash podcast with code PODCAST23. Whether you want a laid-back trail to hit with friends or you're planning something more adventurous, AllTrails Plus is your guide to making the most of your time outdoors. Get outside today with three free months of AllTrails Plus with code PODCAST23 at alltrails.com slash podcast.